morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are today. My name is Ali Amagasu, and I'm welcoming you to the latest episode of Cloud Unfiltered. I'm sorry to say that my co-host Pete Johnson will not be with me today. He is currently traveling to a very exciting business meeting, so um, I apologize in advance for the lack of technical depth that may be um, <laughs> caused by his absence. Uh, I'm gonna do my best, but either way, we've got a terrific guest today. I'm really excited to welcome Dee Kumar. She's the Vice President of Marketing at the Cloud Native Computing Foundation, CNCF, and we're thrilled to have her. Welcome, Dee. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. As um, most folks who listen to this show will know, I spoke to your colleague, Dan Kahn, just a couple months ago. We had a great discussion. He talked to us a lot about why the foundation exists, um, what it does, who belongs, where Kubernetes you know, fits within it, um, who's there besides Kubernetes, um, all those things. It was a really informative talk, but since then some exciting things have happened. Um, for me, the most relevant exciting thing is uh, KubeCon Copenhagen. And I shouldn't just call it KubeCon because it's KubeCon plus Cloud Native Con, right? Yes, that's right. And uh, I have to say, as someone who didn't go and I had some, um, fear of missing out, and that fear was very well-founded. It looked like it was an amazing time. I saw a highlight reel that I don't know if you guys have released, but I saw a highlight reel, and it looked like it was fantastic. So it's great, um, and I would love for people to go and just take a look at the reel. It really captures the essence of the event, the community, the city. Uh, I, I would really say this is a video that people must just definitely watch. Yeah, I'll, I'll post the link to it in, um, the show notes so folks can um, can access it. But it looked incredible and I just can't believe the growth. To me, KubeCon seems like it's been around, but it's only the fifth or sixth, that was the sixth, sixth one? Right, yes. That is incredible. And it went from say, it looked like on the chart that I was looking at maybe 500 people, the first one, and now 4,300. Correct. That's just unbelievable growth. So so tell me, uh, you know, obviously the, the highlight reel is two and a half minutes. <laughs> What did we miss at KubeCon? What was um, at Copenhagen? You know, what was exciting there? What was interesting? What was different? Yeah, so what was different was, I think uh, this time, the fact that we've done about five events in the past, we really wanted to capture from the learnings and we want to listen to the community and ask them, what is that that they wanted to see at these events? So we really worked very hard. And what Copenhagen truly demonstrates is one, uh, it's just not loosely using the word community, but it was truly capturing the vibe, the essence, how people can actually mingle, even if you're traveling internationally, regardless of whether you're from the United States, Europe, or China, or, or any of the Asian countries. Second of all, we also wanted to take into consideration the true fact of community. So we did launch a several number of community tracks. So as an example, uh, there were questions about, hey, I'm a developer and I'm based out of you know somewhere remote. How do I get involved with KubeCon, CloudNativeCon? Where do I get started? So there were some very basic tracks that we focused on. And uh, there are a lot of these tracks that are published online. And I'm hoping you can, I'll, I'll send the links to you. But then it was like these basic questions that we hadn't addressed in the past that got answered at Copenhagen. And then the second one was, uh, truly demonstrating the gap that exists today in terms of 
all the great work the developers, the project maintainers, and the contributors are doing in the cloud native ecosystem. But end of all, I think we talk about features and releases and all the different technologies or projects. But I think it's about also tying it into a business objective. How did it solve a business challenge? Because these days, I mean, people are moving into social, healthcare, manufacturing, oil and gas, and then we're all trying to solve some real world problems. And I think what really uh, Copenhagen did was to bridge that gap. So what we did was we really focused on end user stories. So when we say end users, these are like really amazing companies like Bloomberg, New York Times, Financial Times, where they're still trying to incorporate all these technologies in-house. And they're trying to see how these technologies are actually solving these problems for them before they can go and productize or uh, they can make these products available from a commercial perspective. Uh, so we had a number of great speakers. Um, I think Sarah Wells, who's now very well known on a number of community sites. Uh, she had some great example in terms of how these technologies or projects are solving real world problems. And then I think it was about bridging the gap between a developer who's doing his or her work in their own cube or wherever they are, but then really tying it from a C-level perspective and from a business level objective. So I think this was this whole purpose of Copenhagen was bringing real world uh, business problems and how all these projects are solving or the cloud native technologies are solving these problems. Oh, that makes sense. I can, I can see. see. Oh, oh, I'm echoing pretty badly. <laughs> I'm going to let you talk. Um, but I can see how that would be an ongoing challenge. I mean, it seems like it's always a challenge to help the, the leadership in the company understand the contribution that these technologies are making to help you get to market quicker to help you innovate faster than your competitors, all these all these fantastic things that, that regardless of what generation of technology we're in, um, you're going to be benefiting from. But what about the developers? So, so that's going one direction, that's bringing the technology discussion to the business folks, right? Yeah. But if the developers are feeling unrecognized or un, what is the issue that the developers are frustrated with? You it's, know, I, 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 I have talked to a several leading developers across the globe one of the things they did state was they were unsung heroes. Um, and so that's something that I really wanted to take into consideration and see what exactly do they mean. And then they were just saying that things move really quickly and it's not about saying that you know it's pointing fingers, but it's just like, it's just the nature of technology. And I think Silicon Valley especially is just going so fast that you, you're in that mode of, launching new stuff and uh, and I think what end of the day when I talk to developers and me coming from a marketing background um, as you know marketing and developers don't go very well they don't go hand in hand uh, and they're like I don't want to talk to marketing it's a bunch of tweets they do a bunch of Facebook stuff, Instagram, whatever. And it's not that. But I think the true thing that I learned, and the only reason I was able to get this level of understanding from developers is just being a techie myself, having a, a degree in uh, computer science, and me being a coder myself, and going going to the dark side, like they call it. Um, so I kind of went and talked to all these developers, and they said, D, like, we don't want to be sold. Uh, we want to be educated. We're open to that. And we believe in collaboration. And what does that actually mean is uh, they want to really talk to a marketer who really, really brings this gap together between a developer and a C-level and business challenges. One, 
And then they also want to really understand, like, yeah, we are kind of churning this code out. We put stuff on GitHub. We, we, we do all these things. But if someone can overlay that and truly start building out these layers, um, and I think Dan uh, kind of said this at Copenhagen in one of our interviews is CNCF, that's where we uh, our, our goal is to kind of create this uh, plumbing software or what I call like this plumbing communication framework. It's about simplifying technologies. It's really building, uh, I wouldn't even call it customer success stories. That's one piece, which is about end users. The other one would be developer success stories. I want to know what these key developers are doing and their success stories, which is never brought to the forefront. And then eventually, I think there is some sort of a marketing gap where we could uh, tying the customer success stories with a developer success story. So I would love to do a podcast where we start uh, having a series of developer success stories, how they started, where they began, why did they start creating all these features and projects, and eventually have that gamut of how did it impact the overall, um, you know, the technology paradigm in general. And there's no, I mean, containers just, just didn't happen overnight. There's a reason how containers came into being, microservices came into being is because it's a bunch of developers who thought about real world problems, but then we are not just showcasing those stories to the forefront. And that's what most developers have been telling me. I think that's an, you're the first person I've ever heard say that to me or to suggest that idea of developer success stories. And that is really compelling. I think these guys get ground up as we just keep cranking out new technologies. And we, you know, yes, a lot of it is meant to help them be more efficient. But frankly, you know, it's it's there's never enough money to hire enough developers. There's never enough developers to go around. So the developers that are in this, you know, working for these companies and using these technologies are getting ground up. I mean, I think those guys work really hard. Guys and girls work really hard. And um, I love the idea of developer success stories. That is amazing. Um, so you you touched a little bit about on on how CNCF you know can facilitate that, and this is something that we, you know, Dan and I talked a lot about what CNCF does. But you and I also discussed that you feel like there's still a little bit of, and I'm mixing up the questions from the order that I suggested I might ask them. Um, but if if you can clarify, you told me you're feeling that people still don't entirely understand CNCF's role or the Linux Foundation's role maybe in in the community and what it provides. And, and I think you said maybe you've got some good new analogies that might, that might help people understand the, the value you guys add. Yeah, so um, I think one of the things that I really want to point out is we are truly a neutral party. And if you just think about history and go about thinking about why uh, we do have the Linux Foundation and the CNCF, which is a part of the Linux Foundation, is primarily it stemmed from the fact that the community wants to build stuff that is truly open. And we all talk about open infrastructure, open cloud, open technologies. Uh, but then it actually stemmed from the fact that Google went above and beyond and said, hey, we are going to donate one of our really, uh, you know, a project that's doing great, which is Kubernetes, and they actually donated it to the Linux Foundation, and therefore, it led to the birth of um, the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. And so I think it's about really listening to the community, and we want to be that neutral party in terms of hearing all the feedback. And then I think the question is, okay, you hear all the feedback, 
but then what is it exactly that you guys are doing? So one of the things is open source is a really big deal. Oftentimes there are companies that have an open source office, they have people, and then they start putting policies and stuff like that. But then you really need to understand what are these technologies? And we as in CNCF, we, we work across the entire gamut of the cloud native ecosystem. We work across, today we have about 236 uh, plus members who have joined the Cloud Native Computing Foundation. So we bring that knowledge, the breadth of knowledge, and then we are truly neutral. And then we also help in terms of IP. We also help in terms of uh, members, not just looking at these projects from a product standpoint, but truly from a solution standpoint, and Jim Zemlin, um, who is uh, who's amazing, and he kind of talks about it all the time, is you want to think about taking all these downstream projects and how do you create upstream value? And what that means is how do you take a single project, maybe it's Kubernetes, or how do you take it, how do you take Kubernetes and mix and match it with other projects? And how do you truly create value in terms of a solution perspective? And how does it actually impact verticals as an example. So today, today we don't even talk about how do all these projects work together and solve an oil and gas problem or a manufacturing problem or a healthcare problem. So there are so many different use cases and benefits that still exist that we all collectively have to come together and start thinking about these projects and not just technologies or products, but as solutions. Um, and I think everyone is kind of understanding that mindset, but still there's a lot of work that needs to happen. And uh, one of the things that we as in uh, CNCF has committed to doing is creating that foundation. So then each of us can go build our own homes, we can go solve our own problems. We can make our own homes look the way we want it to be and create our own neighborhoods, our communities. Uh, but that doesn't exist today. So we really want to create the foundation from a CNCF perspective and then hand it over to the members and then say, here you go. And now you can make your own communities, your own neighborhoods, and then your own use cases. And then you can serve your own customers that way. Um, and so our, our job is to make sure we just don't focus on individual projects. As you know, today we have about 23 different cloud native projects that exist under the CNCF umbrella, but then we want to mix and match. We want to figure out what the different use cases are, come up with that uh, underlying framework, and then eventually hand it over to members uh, so they can make their own uh, value propositions or use cases and then take it from there. When you say hand it over to members, do you mean hand it over to like local meetup organizers? Do you mean hand it over to companies that uh, create? What do you, what do you mean by that? Primarily uh, companies. Uh, mm enterprises so because i think oftentimes uh there are when i reference members it's companies like cisco google amazon microsoft etc so we have all these amazing members who are part of cncf and then what uh, i would like to do is simplify their work and simplify because they're all large organizations they have a lot of different marketing departments there's a lot of different um things that need to happen so we as in cncf we want to give them like certain super simplified templates so we talk about velocity, precision, and scale. So you guys can then take it. And then we also want to supplement it, not just with these uh, you know, templates or stories or communication framework or messaging architecture, but we also want to supplement it with end user stories. Uh, the one that I talked about earlier, like Ticketmaster, Spotify, et cetera. And then overlaying that and then handing over that whole stack to you guys 
And then the members can take that and then build stuff uh, that makes sense to them in terms of their go-to-market strategies. Got it, got it. Well, that that sounds like a really important role and, and something that frankly, as someone who does work for one of those giant companies, mm-hmm. Cisco, um, we could use because it's hard with a big product portfolio, especially one that's traditionally hardware focused. Um, we're pivoting, but it, there's a learning curve for us, you know? Um, it's much easier to act, frankly bring on the engineers um, and get them committed to software-based projects and things along those lines than it is, to, I, I think, to sell it correctly. <laughs> and that's what we're, I think that's what we're learning. We're a lot better at um, actually building the solution than it's selling it. And uh, so this, this will kind of help with that, right? Because it's, and it's not just educating, it's educating customers. We don't want people to buy things they don't need. We want them to understand whether this is the right solution for them, whichever solution we're talking about, and, and what, what it's going to solve, what problems it's going to solve. So. So that totally makes sense. I, I don't know what to call it yet. It's maybe a CNCF stack. I really don't know. But then it's like this whole stack where you overlay with the fundamentals and even just understanding what is cloud native. What We all talk about hybrid cloud. We all talk about digital transformation. How does all this fit together? And then uh, from a CNCF perspective, I really want to simplify all these conversations. Uh, we have been having talks about calling it like a children's guide. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but uh, something that uh, members can use uh, from their go-to-market standpoint. And again, I don't want to, uh, I want to make sure that the developer success stories is a part of that stack. And then you further overlay that with the end user stories. And that way this whole thing becomes like a connected um, system of you know different communications, but in one stack. And then you take that stack, which I call it like a solid foundation for cloud native that you then hand it over to uh, members and eventually even for meetups and people who are still struggling and trying to understand where do I begin. Oftentimes I get a lot of questions saying, D, where do I start? Uh, do I go to Google's a Kubernetes.io website? Like, where do I go? Like, uh, and that's where I think it's about kind of guiding them on a path and saying, you know, here's how you go and here are, and then just just showing that representation doesn't exist today. That makes sense. Now you've been you've mentioned a few times use cases or um, end user studies, case studies. Um, yeah. Are there any that you know off the top of your head and could 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 highlight for us? I don't know if they'd be Kubernetes based or or some other uh, technology that falls under CNCF. Yeah, uh, so one of the things uh, that when I came into this role and this is truly unfiltered is <laughs> we've been working with several end users and one of the challenges and I think most people in the marketing world will understand and resonate with me is when you go and talk to end users and when you really challenge them and ask them like hey you're using this project or a certain technology as an example Kubernetes tell me exactly where you saw the difference what was the application what were you trying to do and then after you use Kubernetes, what was the impact you saw? And was it on dev, QA? Did you put it to production? So when we ask all these questions, a lot of people become a little hesitant because they want, they don't want to say that, oh, they're old school, they're not there. Uh, and then two, they don't want to, they, they also don't want, they, they shy away from the fact that they don't want to share openly or from a public standpoint that, oh, we're, you know, behind uh, and we are truly on in this old school, uh, not modern container kind of world uh, and there's nothing wrong you can still be with an old legacy app you don't have to embrace containers but then there's still a path for you to move all these applications to the cloud um, so a lot of uh, 
end users that I've talked to, we have to really, really work with them to understand what it is. But then end of the day, I think uh, we do have about eight um, case studies that, uh, I mean, amazing ones. People have been saying it's like, you know, it's Christmas in June. I have quotes like that from uh, great end users. People are saying that even elephants can dance. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, they've been using, it's an 1800-based company. So I, I, I don't want to go through the exact list, but I'd be happy to send this list because we're going to be publishing this online next week. Um, and we're going to have a list of case studies, the exact ROI they saw, what was the application, what were their challenges, and uh, what was the impact they saw. And again, the impact can That's be... exciting. Oh, yes. And the impact can be measured in different ways. One, purely cost savings, which most people want to say, oh, an IT exec would want to know, by doing this, how much money did you save from an IT budget perspective? But So it's not just based on cost savings, but it was also based on culture and CICD, truly the DevOps uh, kind of world. How did the devs work with the ops and what did that kind of create from a cultural standpoint. It, it has a lot of great learnings. Uh, so we are kind of actually putting together a portal that can showcase all of that. And I would say we would have about eight um, case studies uh, or end users or customer success stories uh, to demonstrate the various benefits that they saw by embracing Kubernetes. But the goal is just not limited to Kubernetes, right? It's about also looking about looking at other cloud data projects or technologies, monitoring, reliability, logging, security. So we want to do a mix and match in terms of how Kubernetes is the anchor tenant and then how all these technologies can complement or help um, Kubernetes in terms of getting to the next level and eventually achieving these large scale workloads um, where we can serve uh, billions of users and then eventually move everything to the cloud. So that's an interesting statement you just meant, uh, you made talking about um, Kubernetes as an anchor tenant almost. Um, you know, I, I think you guys probably must get frustrated, but people, you know, just associate CNCF sometimes with Kubernetes, but there's all mm -hmm. these other 23 projects you, you mentioned. Absolutely. Is it kind of a given that, that most of the companies you're working with are using Kubernetes at this point and they may be using two or three additional projects, uh, open source yeah. projects? I did it. You, you hit the nail on the head. I love the fact you said that we do get associated with Kubernetes, but believe it or not, we have done a lot of surveys. We've been talking to these end users. By end of the day, I think it's becoming a de facto standard. And I think where um, you know companies like Cisco and others can really help is to take that and really come up with use cases or customer success stories in terms of how do you scale this to production? Where I see a lot of um, challenges is a lot of these deployments are happening with 500, maybe 1,000 containers, and then there's orchestration built around it. But then if you really want to go and serve a billion uh, users, and if you want to serve a market like China or India, what does it take to truly become uh, that level of scale from a production standpoint? And then how does a cloud really help with you in terms of scaling to that level is what um, I think uh, CNCF is going to help and work with all the members to solve that and figure out certain stories that we can say there. And the other one is absolutely like you earlier said, is how do you then get other technologies? Because once you get to that scale and once, once you start putting these uh, technologies to production, you really want to start thinking about monitoring, reliability, logging, messaging, databases. Do you actually containerize your database? There are a lot of questions that come into being once you start thinking of scale. Um, and I think that in itself 
can then eventually tell a story around a specific cloud as well. I, I like the way you talk about um, the solutions that are in the CNCF portfolio or under CNCF management, for lack of a better term. It's very clear that you have a technical background. And I didn't ask you at the beginning of the show, how did you get into tech? So I'm asking now. I have no interesting uh, answer to you. I'm Indian, so I grew up in the way my parents asked me to do. So I had no choice. They just said, technology, math, science, you've got to be a coder. Go good, to and good luck. Be on your way. That's it. And I think that's the best decision they've made for me, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Um, yeah, I, I, that is that is very interesting. I'm trying that path with my children, and so far they're resisting, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it is difficult, but I think it's like, I, I don't know who said this to me. I think it was like someone whom I met in the tech industry who said, it, it's what you know is what you know, and what you don't know is what you don't know. So it's just as simple as that. Like, I didn't know growing up what is best for me, and you just uh, grow up that way. And sometimes I think when things are forced on you, um, you know, you just have to embrace it. And now when I look back, it's the best thing, or maybe not. Maybe I could have done something different. But I, I really love what I'm doing. I love being a part of the open source community. I love being here at CNCF. I just love the fact that we are um, catalyzing the whole uh, cloud native ecosystem and helping the whole community. So have you always been in marketing, or did you start off coding? I saw you, I saw you, have, an you have an engineering degree, it looks like, and... and yeah. uh, a computer science degree? Correct. Yeah, I started off coding. So I started off as programmer, spent about five, six years at HP, Hewlett Packard, and I coded for some of their uh, flagship products, the storage, consumer side. So I did coding for a very long time. And it was very interesting that one of the uh, the vice presidents for marketing, vice president for marketing, he looked at me and he said, Dee, do you want to come on the dark side? Because looks like you're also writing the marketing requirement document and you're also writing the code. And then he's like, that's not right because we need someone on the marketing side saying, I need this, which is like the standard ways of operation. And the, and, and the engineer says, okay, I get a specific specification or a protocol and if I go and build it and he's like you're doing both that seems unfair so why don't you just come here try it see if you don't like it, you can always go back and I think that the reason I like being on the marketing side is because I can always put myself uh, in the shoes of, uh, of developers I understand it I know their frustration I know certain challenges and so I don't go up uh, go to them with you know uh, crazy demands or stuff that is not real uh, and so I, I think that's where uh, I'm, I'm also hoping to write a book which is about why marketing open source and how do you win actually developers being on the marketing side which in itself can be its own topic yeah well, I'm glad they successfully lured you to the dark side over at HP. I think we all benefit, and probably more than anybody, those developers. You're right. We, um, as marketers, put unreasonable demands on them pretty consistently. And um, I'm sure they appreciate having someone who, even if she's still going to make demands, at least understands the weight of those demands. Oh, so before we wrap up, I just wanted to um, talk about what's coming up next. I know there's going to be a KubeCon in Seattle in December, but is there one prior to that that we should yes, be Yes, uh, so we do have one coming up in Shanghai. Mm. Uh, so very excited. Uh, as you know, that we are really trying to embrace uh, markets outside of the United States because what we have found is, um, I, I don't know if I share this with you, but BAT, which is Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, they are the leading uh, cloud 
providers in China, and they're literally serving billions of users. And I think uh, when I talked about scale, it's great opportunity for us to tap into those, those markets. And uh, we as in CNCF, we are trying to uh, embrace those markets and look at what are the use cases, who could be our potential customers, how are they using Kubernetes, and all these other projects under CNCF. So we do have our upcoming event, November 11th through the 13th in Shanghai. And I think it'll be a great uh, way for people to understand different markets. Um, so we are very, very excited about that. And uh, I mean, and definitely the one in Seattle. Is the call and, for papers still open on that one? Uh, I think we just ended it last week. Okay. <laughs> just checking in case anybody, I, I know I saw an update from Gary saying, I think the call for papers is still open for December. For the one in Seattle, correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, that's great. We will look forward to that. I'm going to be at the one in December for sure. So uh, maybe we'll get to meet in person there. And um, and I, I can't wait to do it. And we're also trying to do some couple road shows. Um, so what I'm trying to figure oh. out, and I really appreciate uh, feedback from the community, is a difference between a road show and a meetup. I'm kind of struggling between that. So trying to see what is a road show, how can we embrace different markets, India, maybe China. So we have those two as our key markets right now, just because of the nature of scale. And we really want to make sure that we get all these different projects, um, you know, in terms of use cases and benefits that I've talked about. Um, and then how do we start getting a roadshow at a broader scale and then eventually have st uh, smaller uh, meetups that can leverage certain lessons or learnings from uh, roadshows? Wow, it sounds like you have a lot on your plate. <laughs> Thank you. A lot. Hey, if folks want to um, follow uh, what's going on with CNCF or follow you personally, do you have a Twitter handle you care to yes, share? Yes, at uh, D Sprinter. I'm no sprinter. I'm just a runner, but I couldn't get a handle. So it's D E E S P R I N T as in Tom E R. So it's D Sprinter. D Sprinter. Okay. And what about CNCF? What's the official handle for that? So it's uh, Cloud. C-L-O-U-D-N-T-V-F-D-N. N-T-V-F-D-N, cloud. Native. N-T-V-F-D-N, got it, got it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to update us today. I really appreciate you sharing kind of, um, you know, that update on Copenhagen, letting us know what the, where, how the foundation is evolving and letting us know what's coming up next. It's, uh, it's exciting, I'd say this is a core, this group, and the the technologies that that fall uh, that are associated with this group, I'd say, are central to really much of what's what's happening in cloud. So, you guys are important, and we appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Dee. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.